0: Welcome to VIV Today, the daily business podcast from our newsroom here at Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Today we're going to talk about the battle between elephants and unicorns, the unicorns that organizations optimally recruit in order to lead, and the elephants in their way. Uh, The challenges that organizations face, of course, are very formidable, but sometimes the challenges are actually more internal than external in terms of competition. My guest today is a Silicon Valley recruiter, Living in Vancouver with a new book on the need for much more emotional intelligence in the mix of their exec- of executive ranks, Caroline Stokes, the founder and CEO of Forward, has written "Elephants Before Unicorns: Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company." She joins me now. Good to talk to you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Listen, let's get the uh, let's get the definitions a little bit clearer first. When, what's a unicorn? What's an elephant?
1: We'll start off with with the elephants, and elephants are all about the issues, underlying issues that nobody really talks about in in a room. It might be anything to do with the employer brand or the behaviors that happen within an organization, and they need to be seen to. And the unicorns are people that you want to hire, that you're frustrated because you're not able to attract these people to the organization through the interview process, or you're not able to retain them uh, for the long haul, and you're finding it difficult to know how to actually manage them once they're actually within the organization. So these are the unicorns that you want to not only attract, but also want to retain for the long term.
0: Uh, let's, uh, Let's understand the sequence here. Do you need to get the elephants out of the way to get the unicorn, or can the unicorn get the elephants out of the way?
1: I like that question. It, there's going to be a combination of, of both, and that requires complete and utter... A, if you're trying to attract a unicorn that's able to make the changes within the organization, you have to have the whole organization agreeing at the same time that changes need to be made, which is why there's a diagnostic in the book. It enables the, the everyone to be able to see very clearly, we've got these issues, and everybody to nod their heads and say, yeah, we need to sort this. We don't actually know how to sort these out. We need to We need to bring somebody in that's able to do that if we can't do it ourselves. And that's where, if you've got that complete transparency, if everybody is on board with what needs to be done, you're going to be far better equipped than bringing in a unicorn through the back door saying, OK, we need to have this fixed. And then there being that terrible resistance that I'm sure you've seen on countless occasions, whereby that person cannot fulfill their destiny, which is to improve the company and to advance it to the next level that all the stakeholders and shareholders really, really want to see. So it's a case of so there are two, two points. You're, you really do need the entire organisation to be on board, and you have a choice of either being able to move the elephants out of your path right at the very beginning with the with the current team because you've got the you've got the book you're able to you've got that learn, learn it all mindset within the organisation to be able to make make those adjustments, or if you need that extra help. Uh, To be able to take the organization into AI age, you're then able to bring those unicorns in, uh, whether they're engineers, product people, uh, HR people, a new leadership team to be able to make that adjustment. But you need to have, and this is the most fundamental thing, you need to have that, uh, that agreement from everybody that change needs to happen. Otherwise, it's just going to be an uphill battle.
0: And yet it always seems to me that there's somebody in a room who will say something like, well, we've always done it this way. Or we tried mm-hmm. that and it didn't work three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something in this day and age now that we just have to dispense with?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. We do need to dispense with that. And I think that the challenge is when those people say those things, they are genuinely frustrated. And that's actually a call for help. Oh. Uh, it can often be seen as a sign of Negativity, like, well, we've always done it this way. Or isn't it also, isn't it it, it also about,
0: isn't it also about fear?
1: Uh, Yes, there is. There is going to be that fear of the unknown, or knowing how to do it, or oh, maybe I don't know how to do it properly. But once you're able to say, okay, we've tried doing this before and it hasn't worked. Like, okay, well, today is a different day. Our goals are going to be completely different to where they were when we tried it initially. How do we need to look at look at this with with a, re, a new lens, a new approach, a new focus, and and just you know start all over again? Because it's like it's a bit like building a house. You, you, you know, the three little pigs analogy, which is you know they, they they built three houses in different ways, and the person with the with the with the bricks it didn't it didn't blow down. So you've got to approach it through a different lens because whatever works back then, and if it didn't work, you've just got to apply new methodology new mindset new thinking and we're humans. we're able to adapt so mm. like, let's just try it again in a different way and, and bring the best people together to work out what the best way forward is
0: a little bit of a digression here Caroline but when mm. I take a look at the um, methods of recruitment online um, a lot of the matchmaking that takes place now with uh, with you know your resume and a recruiter uh, is that missing the point of the need for a kind of an emotionally intelligent recruitment process where it's just simply matching up data with described needs?
1: I think back in the day, and even now, it can be particularly helpful. However, what typically happens is that people And I was just recently in Montreal and I often have these conversations with uh, hiring managers and leaders and CEOs and HR people where they'll say, yeah, we we went out, we tried to find these people, their resumes are outstanding, but they weren't the right fit for what we needed. And there is this, they've gone through that very expensive, time-consuming, frustrating process of realizing that there is this gap of what's on paper and what the person is and what they're able to bring. Uh, there, there, there's this huge gap, and once people realise that, and I often have this conversation with people as well, where where they'll say, I can see this this person being a right fit, and I say, well, I've had this conversation and I see them being a fit because of X, Y, and Z, and that 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 kind of insight from a recruiter is where the where where they'll be. Uh, where that will fix it. Because quite quite frankly, right now, um, when people write their resumes, their CVs, too many people that I come across are saying, oh, I need to make sure I have all of these um, uh, the, 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 these, these, keywords. And it's like, okay, that was that was five years ago. That was 10 years ago when, when search was handled in that way. Now we're in a completely different Economic climate. We are the companies that want to hire the right people are looking for different skills. They may not necessarily know how to name it, but they are. And once once that all comes, once they are able to have that cognitive moment of okay, we're looking at it. We need to look at it differently. That's where there's going to be this this really good approach that's going to be happening with HR, with the leaders, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, but a lot of the recruitment is still stuck in that keyword error. <laughs> if, yes. res- if your resume doesn't have the right yes. set of phrases, you, you're not even going to get close to an interview.
1: It's really, really challenging. And what I always say to people who are looking for support um, when, when they're going through a career transition, we have to hammer it out during conversations, which is what is it that you're looking for in your next role? What problem do you want to solve? how do you what kind of organization do you want to work with? because if you look at your resume as just a list of achievements, that's not going to land you where you want to go you've again got to bring that gap much you've got to narrow that gap if you don't narrow it and you don't evolve it, then people aren't going to people aren't going to pay attention to you.
0: I think you answered this a little bit earlier too, when we talked oh. about what you had to clear out of the way, but how much can A so-called unicorn really provide to a company if the company is not itself transformed?
1: Mm. What a great question. If a company isn't already transformed and they've got to go through that transformation, let's say they need to hire an engineer and there's maybe five engineers in Vancouver that can do that because they're looking for somebody that has cryptocurrency background. They're looking for somebody that has gaming background. They're looking for somebody that has digital backend background. And there's only five people in Vancouver that can do that. If they are looking to make that pivot from, let's say, a traditional legacy style organization and move it, back, move the organization further, faster than than what could be what could happen with their current people. As long as they know what, what the as long as the organization knows that they have to make some changes. And they're hungry for it. They've got to be hungry for it. Uh, not nonchalant about it, not uh, negative about it. As long as they know that they have to make those changes and the let's say the unicorn can see and can really resonate with where the company is going, then it's going to work out. Yeah. But it's it's a dance. It's like a dating game. It's pretty significant.
0: In an optimal situation, does, say, a, a, a board of a company um, – Launch into some kind of transformation uh, of of the firm, and then bring a CEO in amid that. You know, as as everybody is somewhat locking themselves into gear, or or does the unicorn kind of precede the the transformation itself?
1: Mm. I think it's a combination of of one of this, the 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 board members having that conversation. Uh, understanding where it needs to go, what is lacking, what's missing in the organisation, what needs to happen, it can take sometimes two years to bring on the, the right person that can that can create that kind of transformation. Mm. It's it it's incredibly rare for for somebody to suddenly be available within two weeks, and through that um, you know notice period, especially at that senior level, so it's highly recommended that. If if they know where they want to go, if they know what is lacking, they're able to have those transparent conversations with people during the interview process, and the the, the talent that they're looking to acquire is 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 really connected with what those people are saying because everybody's being transparent and pr- productive and collaborative and are open to all the changes that need to be made. Then things can happen really really quickly. It's when, when there's that resistance from the top, if you've got that unicorn, that changemaker, that rainmaker coming in, they're going, to, they, they're going to sense, they're going to feel that there are issues within the organization that will prevent them from being successful. Um, and unless they are an extremely blinkered um, optimist, they won't make that jump uh, unless they're particularly desperate. Uh, but in, and, and then they'll just know that this is going to be all of these roadblocks preventing them from being successful and uh, no matter how influential they are, if the board are, don't have that openness and don't hand, hand the keys over to the people that are really going to be able to make the changes it, it, it's not going to be an attractive proposition for, no. for that unicorn.
0: No, not at all. Um, let's spend a few minutes uh, taking a look at the sequence of events here um, and, and the strategies mm. that are necessary. Uh, let's start with the I, mean, I think we've actually gone over a bit of the actual recruitment piece and how frankly, you've just got to open yourself up to different themes in um, in how it is that you're recruiting people and and what it is that you're going to discuss with them uh, before you even get to that point of hiring. but let's let's look at recruitment through retention here for uh, you know for one of these, uh, you know, I don't want to call them necessarily company saviors, but they're close to it. Uh, what it is that you have to do in order to get them into the fold and keep them in the fold. So uh, start us as early as you can on this one.
1: Mm. Well, as I indicated, just with the the conversations that this person needs to have with uh, with the hiring manager or the C-suite or the board, they have to be, they have to feel and know that they are involved with, uh, with the changes that are going to be happening. They have to know and feel that everybody else is on board as well, and there is complete and utter transparency, and everybody will collaborate. And that, that is step number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can then, want, and so as a, as a, when I go into my executive headhunting mode, I'm going to be interviewing the organization before we're hired to find out exactly what stage they're at. Are they in the are are they are, are they are they at that stage where they are able to speak frankly are they able to communicate frankly are they do they trust people do they uh, is it a toxic environment et cetera et cetera all of those pieces will help the search to find the ideal fit. Mm -hmm. So if someone is is particularly, if they come from a very, if it's a very corporate company and they're looking for somebody that knows how to navigate a corporate environment uh, and can make the changes necessary in that style of corporate environment, that's great. If they're looking at creating some kind of um, internal, let's say, tech hub that is is going to be a lot like uh, um, that th- th- there's going to be spawning new concepts and things like that and it's going to be a mover and shaker and, and they're looking for that dynamism that they wouldn't be able to find elsewhere uh, within the organization then that would be that would they everybody would have to be on board but this is a hub um, uh, that is uh, that's going to create embryonic projects that's going to be, potentially pushy they're going to be driving things at the type of the, the the pace of change that that legacy company may not know how to deal with and in in turn will be educating the organization to make that kind of change so it's really a case of uh, the recruiter or the hiring manager or the c suite need to know from the very beginning what type of organization they have what that what kind of person they're looking for what problem needs to be solved so that the recruiter when the recruiter goes out they're able to find the right people for the interview process and that can actually fit that particular role
0: and if and if and that, um, that's, that's sorry, go ahead. yeah go ahead no no go ahead sorry
1: i'm just saying that's crucial because if you don't have that understanding uh, there's this huge disconnects and I remember speaking with somebody, um, a, a person that was hired um, in a very large corporate organization and they really wanted this person. They knew that this person would do do the great role but in the end, it didn't quite work out that way because there were there were these hidden elephants. Uh, Within the organization that was preventing them from understanding, well, actually, you can't create that kind of change at that kind of level of of breakneck speed. You actually need somebody that is more junior that can do that, that can, that can create, uh, the results that they're looking for. And it's about having those honest conversations internally that's absolutely critical. Like, what is it that you need? And, 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 and to be able to, once you do have interviews with, with candidates, to be able to, reevaluate what it is that you need and what opportunities this unicorn can provide. It's not it's not easy.
0: Short of a crisis though inside a company, how ready do organizations appear to to embrace transformation? I mean can can you really get the honest truth out of them? Because doesn't that require like such a self-realization?
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yes, and when you look at emotional intelligence you've got the the stress management composite, and too often people make decisions based on how stressed they are, and it's usually to do with uh, we need to hire somebody because if we don't make these changes like our like our competition are, then we're going to be behind so a lot of a lot of decisions come about not because they 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 are stressed out instead of what I like to call, in coaching terms, uh, an appreciative inquiry model, which is: Where do we want to be? What is going to be unique for us? What big, hairy, audacious goal do we have? What problem do we need to solve? Where do we want to be? What do What do we want to be? Um, and, and just removing all of those stresses out of the way, because you're going to be a lot more creative, and you're going to get the whole team on board an awful lot faster if you can think in that way, because it enables you to think productively. Creatively uh, and have the creative tension associated with that, and it's a lot more exciting than uh, you know, saying, "Okay, we haven't our, our website isn't, is, is is behind the times. We need to update it so it's like this." It's like, "Well, you're just getting it to the bar. Then where do you need to take it? Where do you need to go? Uh, because that's where people are going to be most excited. I mean, uh, that's that you need to be future proofing yourself." I
0: mean, clearly, you want quite a bit of alignment between, say, an incoming CEO. Uh, And um, and the organization, but how Mm. how do you reconcile though uh, what will probably be some differences of opinion about the direction that's necessary for a company? So the organization agrees we want to be these people, and have this kind of operation down the road, and the CEO's like, well, I see your point, and uh, you know we need a twenty degree turn from that. how, How do you reconcile those? Without, um, without blowing up um, an early relationship,
1: <laughs> I think that is often when we we can all be very short-sighted. We we can often, again, not see beyond our noses when we are so involved in our stressful situation. So if the, if the new CEO comes in and this CEO has a wealth of experience and knowledge and experience and knowledge and experience in all of these different areas and see this amazing future, there's this, there's this situation where the CEO needs to communicate it a lot better and also needs to help the, the, the team understand what the possibilities are. And that's, that's an education program. That's a communication program. That's a PR program internally that requires everybody to see where the big, hairy, audacious goal and opportunity is. Um, so, so that the company can thrive. This is, this is not about, um, maintaining momentum. This is, well, in some cases it will be about maintaining momentum, but it's about evolving and, and transforming in some way and to ensure that everybody is excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but it it, it takes a lot of communication constant communication you can't just have the CEO
0: um,
1: project or announce this is where we need to be and then scuttle away They, 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 they need to have that Uh, constant education and mindset and to help coach people to understand where their biases might be, where their roadblocks might be, why why they can't see where it's going. And uh, too often uh, CEOs can be very binary about it and Mm. they can say no that person isn't able to think about uh, where we need to go and all it can be is that they just have one particular blockage and they just need to see one thing to be able to understand how they can move that forward. So all of that legacy information that they have is going to be really useful.
0: There is often too, um, in the midst of a recruitment of a CEO, uh, people internally who wanted the job and didn't get it. And they can probably blow up the organization pretty well if they decide that this is, you know, this is time to... um, to to launch into uh, their worst selves. So again, um, around the the emotional intelligence ingredients here, what what does the CEO have to do? What do these lieutenants also have to do in order to mm. in order to make this one work best for an incomer?
1: Yes, and uh, somebody that writes a great book about this is uh, Michael Watkins. Where somebody will come in uh it's it's called it's the first 90 days and somebody comes in and, and t- takes the role that you you wanted and this person comes in with all these ideas and doesn't integrate properly with the rest of the organization and and it can be particularly challenging for for you, you can basically sabotage everything mm-hmm. so in terms of let's say this person that has just who wanted that role they wanted that step up they wanted to be that director or they wanted to be that vp they didn't get it for whatever reason i'm hoping that the CEO or whomever was the uh, hiring manager will will have the frank conversations in a very kind way as to what was missing. I'm assuming as well that the CEO would have sat down with the, pers- the people that would uh, uh, have been approached that would have got- gone forward for this role and said, okay, these are the areas that I'm really looking for in this role. Uh, I'm going to coach you on seeing what your coachability is like to be able to do this role. Because somebody that's able to do that role, uh, as as long as they're coachable, as long as they have that learnable mindset, as long as they can adapt and grow and have um have a mindset of of and and learn some of the aspects that are absolutely essential for that role, um, such as people management, such as strategic thinking, such, such as, you know, maybe the financial aspects that are going to be absolutely critical. Whatever it is that's missing, if they can demonstrate that they can do it and they're enthusiastic about it, then then it's, they're going to be able to demonstrate that their the best self. They'll have given it a bloody great shot. Yeah. The alternative is if, if there isn't that relationship between the CEO and, let's say, the person that, that uh, wants to go for that role they 're going to feel bitter you know let's just think about the the emotional aspect of it they're going to feel rejected typically when that happens they will start looking for another job and then that CEO who really valued that person but didn't say it and didn't explain it and didn't coach them through that process they're going to lose that person yeah. and um, they, they, they will they will you know they will find that a regrettable situation uh, quite often yeah. uh, so in that scenario that's that, that, can be challenging but if that person does stay um you've then got the the situation where of course you will be nervous as a ceo this person how 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 are they going to interact with the new hire are they going to be uh, reluctant to provide ideas? Are they going to be, are they going to be too challenging? Are they going to be passive aggressive? You know, what's going on there and that's again where the relationship is absolutely crucial to ensure that um, the, the the person that didn't get the role is able to adapt and support the, the the new director, for example, and the director is able to not be concerned that there would there, there are
0: going to be issues ahead. Yeah. A bit of a devil's advocate question here. We, we have entered, I think, a, a much more enlightened phase um, of, uh, of leadership uh, where there is a greater emphasis on EQ, um, not so much on IQ, but certainly on EQ. Uh, how do you make sure, though, that you're not twisting a system, an organization, a structure into pretzels in order to keep people happy and in the camp? How,
1: how, whereas, mm. What
0: about the tension between an organization and an individual here?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that question. You have good questions, Kirk. So with with this, I love the pretzel analogy. The, uh, the The reality is is that no organization, uh, and I, I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen an organization willingly drive themselves into becoming an emotionally intelligent organization yet. Uh, I think the the situation is that an organization will be an organization. There's, there's going to be a lot of HR advocates in organizations. And I, I know that uh, lots of companies do that very well in Vancouver, such as, uh, Relic, Suite, mm-hmm. um, Microsoft, and various others downtown, whereby they will go down the path of 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 either adopting their HQs um, mandate. They'll create a, a local version, and they will be hiring based on all, all of the, all of those variables, which is which is very important. So you're looking at IQ, and then when you look at EQ, it's, it's about the ability to hire people that are great thinkers, great collaborators. If they're not great collaborators and they have a problem with um, communicating internally in a rational, productive way, then usually those organizations will provide coaching to ensure that they're able to evolve in a a, a productive way. Um, So, I I don't think it's so much the organization being the pretzel. yeah, in, in, and, and twisting and turning in a particular way, people are drawn to cultures that, or typically and ideally, they're, they're drawn to cultures that are matching a, a company's uh, big mission, big hairy audacious mission, let's mm. call it that. Uh, so it's really a case of then they they will want to be involved in that product or project. They'll be they'll want to they'll they'll see whether or not they're aligned with the people. Uh, and and the vision and the goals and every organization is going to have a different mission uh they're going to have a different type of product and a different type of niche a different type of consumer a different type of customer a different type of audience um and so on so it's, it's they're looking for a particular tribe to join them and really it's it, the, the most important thing is the, is collaboration so that they're able to find solutions. Uh, very, It's very rare now that people will work in isolation. And if they do work in isolation, typically people will work as freelancers because they enjoy that. And they yeah. want to be uh, an individual co- contributor rather than a part of a giant team with... Um, uh, production and and uh, engineers and project managers and artists and uh, creative people, and you know where you're creating this 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 commercial uh, giant so it, you know it, it's it's uh, I, I, I do believe like attract like mm-hmm. and uh, and it's really up to the individuals i e talent to research which organization is a good fit for them, what type of product resonates with them, and vice versa.
0: Yeah, yeah an organization person will you move into an organization. Um, last, last issue and, and I think we've done well in going through the sequence of this. But I want to go back to, um, to that unicorn. And you know I think we're, we're told so many times that you you, know, you cannot have a relationship if you don't know yourself, you cannot love, if you don't love yourself, you cannot can you be a unicorn if you don't know yourself?
1: Mmm. Yes and no. So I think the ultimate situation is that the unicorn will do an awful lot of self work and identify where they're uh, where, what they're good at and what their opportunities for development is, and it's a lifelong process, as I'm sure you know, for us to identify what, what we are, what we like, what we want to evolve into. What we were 10 years ago is not who we are now. And it's it's, it's, out, it's up to us as individuals to understand, well, where are we going? What are we doing? What do we like? What what do we need to evolve? Uh, what, challenges, what challenges us? What puts us under too much pressure? Uh, what, and to understand what our emotional operating system is all about on how we perform and, you know, what, what, what that balance is. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday I was burned out. I, I know that I have a burnout day for about one day. And then the next day I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on fire all over again, which Got is it. great. Yeah. Um, but I know that one day I don't want to talk to anybody and, and it just happens out of the blue. <laughs> I can't even anticipate it. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I know I'm not going to panic when I have that bad day where I don't want to talk to anybody because my brain is just flatlining. I can't think of any great ideas. I can't, I can't even problem solve with anybody because I know I'm not going to have the right questions for people. So, you know, I, I, I stop panicking now at the ripe old age of 47 uh, when, when that happens because I know I'll just bounce back. If I overthink that, I could go down down into the vortex of doom for days and that's just not productive for anybody. So it's about understanding yourself, what, what your ideal emotional oper- operating system is. And there are people that, and I remember when I did my certified executive coaching course at uh, Royal Roads University nearly a decade ago, it was a situation of I only started to understand myself then. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. I, I could not believe that it took me until I was in my late 30s to understand myself. And I think this is and when when um, I have very high empathy level uh, and I could not for the life of me uh, understand why it took me so long to understand all of these different aspects about myself and how others might feel and how, and, and, and what their operating systems were like and what systems they ra- would run on. And now I can anticipate people, I can anticipate how projects will go There's and, and being able to circumvent a lot of those challenges just because I've, I've, I've adapted and boy, I can't wait to adapt for another 10 in the next 10 years. So when you talk about can a unicorn understand themselves? When you look at a 23-year-old, a genius, let's say, Daniel Trivenoff, who played in Vancouver this weekend um, at the Orpheum, and he's 28, he's only 28. He is a maestro. He is the best pianist on the planet right now, uh, but I bet he has got so much self-work that he has to work on. I think the bottom line is you can have a unicorn that is the best of the best of the best, but the reality is we all need to adapt. We all need to evolve. We all need to understand ourselves an awful lot better so we can communicate and influence and get things done better, regardless of whether or not you feel like you have the highest level of emotional intelligence or not.
0: Mm. Well, I think we've given people a, a pretty good taste of the book um, and, uh, and of, of your style, I think, of, of the way in which you, you're been, you've you been thinking about these issues for a long time. I want to thank you for your time today, Caroline.
1: And I, I'm very grateful for your time. Thank you, Kev.
0: Caroline Soaks, founder and CEO of Forward and the author of Elephants Before Unicorns Emotionally Intelligent HR Strategies to Save Your Company. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening to BIV today. We'll see you next time.